0: Now, without any further delay, I would like to introduce today's host, David Mulman with Align Technology. David, you now have the floor.
1: Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us on today's Ask the Expert webinar 2015 attachment update, everything you wanted to know but were afraid to ask with Dr. David Galler. You'll earn two CE hours for attending today's program, and you'll receive important instructions on how to obtain your CE certificate at the conclusion of the presentation. Additionally, CI hours will automatically be added to your Invisalign Doctor site account. Please allow two to four weeks for C hours to appear on your account. Please know you're able to listen to today's program via the webcast and throughout the webinar, you'll have the opportunity to ask text questions which are presentable or answer at the conclusion of the presentation. I apologize in advance for unable, unable to answer everyone's questions as our time is limited, but we will follow up after the program to answer any outstanding text questions. Today's program will be archived in its entirety on the education tab of your Invisalign Doctor site where you may also access archived versions of all of our previous Ask the Expert programs anytime for CE hours. It's now my distinct pleasure to introduce our speaker today, Dr. David Galler. Dr. David Galler reached the level of Invisalign's top 1% provider in 2012 and has been treating Invisalign patients at his practice locations in Manhattan, Brooklyn, and Long Island, New York since 2004. Dr. Galler's re engage program continues to be a driving force in building high performing Invisalign providers throughout the country. Dr. Galler has been a featured speaker at multiple Invisalign GP summits and will be the keynote speaker at the 2015 GP Summit. He graduated with honors from the University of Pennsylvania College of Dentistry and completed a general practice residency at the Brooklyn Veterans Administration Hospital. He is the current president of the American Academy of Cosmetic Orthodontics. So without further delay, I'll turn the program over to Dr. Galler. Dr. Galler, you now on the floor.
0: Okay, thank you very much, David and Heather. Good morning. Invisalign Nation. Hope everyone's doing well. Today's date is June 26, 2015, and today's course is everything you always want to know about attachment as it exists in 2015. Uh, I am a general dentist. Pleasure to be with you now, seeing some of my people on the call today. Shout out to Dr. Salama, Dr. Janine, all re-engaged people who are out there. Looking forward to seeing you in Las Vegas. Today's statements, views, and opinions expressed in this program and related course materials are those only of the speaker. Align Technology may not endorse such statements, views, or opinions, although they're the ones who created these attachments. Attendees are responsible for legal and regulatory compliance of any marketing and referral programs. Okay, basically, here's the gist of today's program. Attachments are absolutely critical for Invisalign use, and you cannot successfully accomplish certain movements without the use of attachment. If you're going to rotate a premolar or a canine, you have best to have the right attachment on it. If you're going to extrude a tooth, you've got to have the right attachment on it. The difference between Invisalign and any other competing company out there is that Invisalign has invested money in trying to create these dots, attachments, pieces of composite on the outside of the tooth that are engineered to produce perfect effects of the teeth and the movement. And those movements help guide our cases and give us a leg up on predictability. The game is all about predictability. You make a piece of plastic you put it over people's teeth. You want those teeth to move into the right position. So attachments are kind of like our best friends at Invisalign. And without attachments, we really would struggle with many uses. Now, if you've been in the game a long time, you've been practicing eight, nine, ten years for Invisalign, then you know that each year, Invisalign creates a new attachment that helps with a previously difficult movement. For a long time, we had a very hard time moving upper laterals. Boom, they create the multi-plane attachment, and now it's easier to move attachment, uh, move that tooth. But it occurred to me a few years ago, or really 10 months ago, that if you just joined Invisalign in the last three years or four years, you get onto Invisalign, you get a clincheck back, and it's got 25 different attachments on there, all different shapes, sizes on different teeth, and the novice user has no idea what each attachment does, what its function is, whether it's appropriately put on the tooth or not. And the truth is, it can be very overwhelming. So I scoured all of Invisalign education, and I was shocked to see that we have never really put together a comprehensive program that teaches what each attachment name is and what each attachment functions as. At. Because if you don't have that basic knowledge, how are you supposed to evaluate a clincheck? How are you supposed to troubleshoot a case where the tracking is not going well? So I went through all the material. And again, to people who've been practicing, speakers and faculty and people who practice, and I said some of this is obvious, but if you've just joined us in the last three or four years or your practice has just started picking up steam in this line in the last three or four years, then a lot of this stuff can be very, very brand new. So There are basically 10 types of attachments. There are 10 types of attachments in VisLine. That's it. As we stand now in 2015, when this is being recorded, there are 10 types of attachments. Understanding what each attachment does on which tooth is the key to success. Now, of those 10 attachments, we're going to break them down into two classifications. The first one is called standard attachments. Standard attachments are kind of our older attachments, and they are usually rectangular shapes. They're rectangular long vertical shapes and rectangular long horizontal shapes. Those are critical for retention, for holding the Invisalign tray down against the teeth, and also helpful for translation of molars and even translation of incisors. Those are standard attachments, those are the ones that have been around for a long time. Now, for each of the last seven years, Invisalign be creating an optimized attachment each year. An optimized attachment is an attachment that has a very, very special shape to it. So, it doesn't just kind of fit into the hole in the Invisalign. There are certain active surfaces on it that the Invisalign will actively push on it to create a resultant force. And this stuff has been bench-tested And created by the smartest man at Invisalign, Mr. John Morton. Now, what's the difference between what's the importance between standard and optimized? Well, the most critical appointment between uh, uh, most critical difference of understanding why an attachment could be a standard attachment or an optimized attachment relates to what a technician would do if your attachment breaks off mid-treatment. For example, if you have a standard attachment, which would look like something like you see on the screen now. This is a long vertical attachment. This is a horizontal bevel attachment. This would be a long vertical attachment here and here. If one of these bad boys breaks off during treatment, the technique that we often use is that we use the previous aligner that the patient is wearing as a template to put it back. Again, for a standard attachment, The correct technique is to use the previous aligner as a template to put it back on. Because the shape for a standard attachment is the same shape that's in the actual Invisalign. So when you put that shape on, that shape is the same that the Invisalign cutout or opening carries over. It's like a lock and key. It fits in one to the other. That is as opposed to an optimized attachment. An optimized attachment is a special-shaped attachment. Let's take a look at three types of attachments that are optimized. The first one that you see circled here on the upper lateral, that's known as the multi-plane attachment, the multi-plane attachment. We're going to go through these in detail. The multi-plane attachment has a specific shape to it that is imperative in biomechanical forces to drive that tooth. The other one is what we call, or what I affectionately call, the double Bite attachments. And again, we're going to go through these in detail. But you kind of see these different types of attachments. These three that I've circled here, those are known as optimized attachments. Optimized attachments, the shape that's in the Invisalign is not the shape that is on the tooth. It is a different shape. The shape that you put on is put on with a template. But that is not necessarily the same shape that we want the whole way through. So when you put on an optimized attachment, you have to use the template. If you break an attachment off, an optimized attachment off during treatment, and you use the previous aligner to put it back on, you're putting on the wrong shape because the shape that's in the Invisalign is different than the shape that is in the template. So you put on a shape and template and then the Invisalign grabs that shape and turns it or activates it or hits it against the active surface. So, very important. If a patient comes in and they're missing the multi-plane attachment on the upper lateral, you cannot use the previous aligner to put back. Putting it back at the previous aligner is wrong, bad, incorrect Invisalign temperature. Not like some people in the country do it one way, some people in the country do it the other way. No, nobody in the country can put back an optimized attachment with the previous liner. To do so is basically negating the effects of the attachment. Might as well just leave it off altogether. Now, what do you do if the patient breaks off an optimized attachment, say at stage number seven? So there are two techniques that I like. Number one is you can call Invisalign, one 188 882 align and you can say, I need a template for stage number seven. And they will send you a template for stage number seven free of charge, and will be in your office in three to five days. No judgment from Invisalign, no questions. If you broke an optimized attachment, they will send you a template for free. You can also, nowadays, in 2015, now log on to your IDF, Invisalign website, go to said patient, and you can actually order a template online. And, again, that process is free. So what does that tell you? It tells me that it's very, very critically important that if an optimized attachment breaks off, that you want to replace it via a template and not from the previous liner, because to do from the previous liner would actually be putting the wrong shape back on that tooth. So how does this work in private practice? So in private practice, let's say, say you know, I'll study to a patient, listen, if any attachments break off, call me up. The patient calls up, hey, broke off an attachment. I'm like, where was that attachment? Which tooth is it on? Count your teeth. And if they say, hey, it's one of this front, front, middle one, I'm like, oh, that's an optimized attachment. I'm like, all right, come back in next week at Tuesday at 5 o'clock, and by then I'll have the template. But if they tell me, hey, it's one of these long vertical or long horizontal attachments, then what I'll do is I'll say to them, come in today, and I'll put it right back on using your previous aligner. Now, the key to keeping attachments on, believe it or not, is to etch. And I used to have about 10 to 15% of my attachments break off during treatment. And the mistake that I was making was that I wasn't etching the tooth. If you want the attachment to stay on, the key is you have to etch with 37% hydrogen, fluoride, whatever poison you use. Uh, I think I use a 37% shine brand. But if you etch the tooth for a full 10 seconds, no matter what composite or flowable you use, that attachment will stay on. The other attachment trick that we like to use is I like to use G-Bond for today's next generation known as Genial Bond. That's made by GC America. And many, many years ago, Invisalign bench tested many of the bonding agents. And after their bench testing, they found that the G-Bond was really the best bonding agent for attachment. So I don't really use G-Bond for most of my other bondings in my office or my restorative, but for Invisalign attachments, I definitely do it. And we have gone from about 10% of our attachments breaking off. We're less than 1% now. Uh, If an attachment breaks off, it's kind of a a weird situation. It's kind of an unusual thing nowadays. And I think the key to everything is when I started to really etch every single tooth. So even if you're using a bonding system that is like a self-etcher, self-primer, self-everything, you still need to use an etch before that. So I etch and then I use a bond, and we usually get them to stick real well. I think the key to putting on good attachments is to maximize the bond strength with etch and on. and again we reviewed if you have to replace attachment please understand the difference between a standard attachment and an optimized attachment now one truth is that i used to struggle with regular composite attachments the official invisalign policy is to use composite attachments when you hard regular composite but i really used to struggle with it and i had difficulty packing the attachment into the template I used to get distorted shapes. I had a tough time taking the template off of the Invisalign patient. Uh, and, you know, that's not a good thing. And you definitely do never, ever want to poke a hole through the attachment to get the excess flow through. That's just destroying the shape of your attachment. That is a very, very poor technique. Also, a poor technique is I've seen people in the country that cut the template into quadrants. That's a poor technique because the Template, when it goes on, needs cross-arch stabilization. If you don't have cross-arch stabilization, you're likely to push too hard on one quadrant and wind up putting your attachment to gingival, which would obviously be a very, very bad problem because then the next Invisalign tray doesn't fit. So even though the correct Invisalign policy is to use regular composites, because I'm not that good, I like to use flowable. And although we are the black sheep of Invisalign for doing it, I like to use Flowable, Well, and the Flowable that I use is known as evil EvoFlow. I guess this is what the company meant when they don't endorse all the opinions of the speaker on this. But I found that using the Evo Flow made my life very, very easy. Flowable composite is easy. I just turn over the template. I just kind of squirt a little bit of material into each of the depressions where the attachments are. It's easy to get a perfect fill without overfilling it. Um, Evo flow, which is made by Ivo Claire, has a translucent shade color, which is real nice and, and matches real well. You could have cases that come back with anterior attachments and um, you know patients won't see it. As a side note, I've noticed in the last six months on, on cases that I have, and certainly cases of my re-engaged team members, that we we've gone a little bit heavy-handed on the anterior attachment. So if you're out there in Invisalign Nation, listening in your office, in your car, or wherever you are, and you're like, you know what, I think he's right. In the last couple of months, I've seen my cases come back and now everybody's got an anterior attachment. And that didn't used to be the case a while back. That's a discussion for a different day. You can ask me at the summit, my thoughts on that. But either way, the point for today, is if you're going to be putting attachments on your patient's front teeth all the way around, you want to make sure that that is as invisible as possible. And what we like to use is something called a translucent shade. Not radiolucent, meaning you don't see it on x-ray. Translucent, meaning glass-like, meaning that the composite picks up the color of the underlying tube structure underneath it. We also want to make sure that we have our perfect shapes. Again, we've just spoken in detail about how detailed and important the optimized attachments are. And some of them are really, really tiny Little tiny spike, little tiny distraction. You want to make sure you have the perfect shape. If you put on the wrong shape because you underfilled or it's sloshed, then you're really just killing your case right for thing And the other thing that you want to do is you want to make sure that it's easy to remove excess. Excess is an absolute killer of an Invisalign case, and we'll talk about that in a second. You want to make sure it's absolutely easy to remove excess. Because if it's not easy to remove the excess, then you're going to have a real problem. And I, when I used to use hard composite, I found to be quite... Laborious to try and take off the excess. I have to get a white stone and a red stone and a yellow stone and a gold fluted, and you know you've got to make sure you don't nick that attachment at all. It became like a ten-minute process. When I use flowable, I find that excess is really easy to move. So if you want to know my attachment technique, here's what it is. First, I use etch on the tooth, ten seconds. Then we air dry, wash that off. Then we use G bonds or genie bonds for about ten seconds, and then we air dry that for about. Then we hit that with a light. And then we use the Tetris Evo flow into the template and we place all our our attachments right off the bat. Now, in this video, you can clearly see that here's an attachment that I just placed on and you wanna make sure you see that excess all the way around the teeth, you wanna make sure that you clean that excess off. And when I used to place composite, it was a big job to take off the excess. Now, if you use Flowable, all the excess scrapes away with a scaler. You know, and you want to make sure you get that excess off. Why? Well, the key to understand is that the Invisalign, in order for teeth to move, you need two components. You need retention, meaning you need to grab onto those teeth real well and tight. You have to have your Invisalign fitting well. But you also need surface area, meaning you need the plastic to touch the teeth. The better the plastic is touching the teeth, the better that your teeth move. Picture what happens in a case like this with tooth number 28 that you can see on your screen. If I don't take off the excess with a scaler, what would happen is the Invisalign would slide over this tooth. The attachment would go into the attachment well on the Invisalign line number one. But the plastic directly next to the attachment would hold up on this. So the the plastic would be kind of on this little shelf of excess that we have here. And what that would cause is the actual rest of the tooth would be held away from the plastic. So the only part of the Invisalign that would be gripping would be my attachment and the excess. But because I have a thin layer of excess, that actually holds the rest of the plastic away from the tooth. And the result is that we do not get the movement that we want. We call this the silent killer of Invisalign, I meaning you don't even know why your teeth are not moving. Everybody thinks looks like it's going well, the compliance is good, you did the IPR, and you just can't figure out why this tooth is not moving. And at the end of the day, you realize that there's excess on the tooth, which excess serves, touches the plastic, but killer serves to hold all the other plastic away from the active surfaces of the teeth, and you need that tooth to be engaged on as much surface area as possible with the plastic to get it going on. Now, so back in the day, um, I used to try and shade match teeth. So this is a patient came in, had two attachments over here, and we put this attachment on with probably what is B1 or A1 because I didn't want to make it dark. And, you know, the patient puts that on. You put on that patient. After they look in the mirror, they're like, uh, this is kind of noticeable. I don't like the way it looks. And I'm looking, and I'm like, what? I don't see anything. My assistant will walk in. They're like, well, we don't see anything. But really, we could see something, you know, because if you put a giant, a1 attachment on a tooth like this where it's sticking out, and even though it looks nice and white, this becomes a real eyesore, And that's, again, an upsetting thing for patients. But in this case, the patient needed an attachment on the lateral later on in treatment, and by then I had learned about this thing called translucent shade, And I put that attachment on the lateral along with the translucent shape. And look how much better that is. That translucent just kind of blends in. Sometimes I put attachments on teeth. I literally have to run my finger over the tooth to feel if it's actually there because they're that invisible. So if you get nothing else today out of today, I would like you to learn that the most important thing you could probably do attachment-wise is make sure you use a translucent shape. Again, you know, it's always everybody's been through the aggravation of putting on attachments on a patient and a patient says I don't like them. Now of course. As an aside, they should have signed a consent form, a good consent form before you did that. And before you start the Invisalign treatment, the consent form that I like to use is called the American Academy of Cosmetic Orthodontics consent form, www.aacortho.com. That consent form covers everything that you can think of, including I consent to putting attachments on my teeth, whether they're visible or not visible. And that's something you can download if you are a member of the academy if you're not a member of the academy good time to become a member of the academy nice group of gps in the country growing together treating more invisalign cases every single day but i would would be certainly nervous or suspect if we get starting a case without a good consent form and i don't think the invisalign consent form has that language in it but the aac 101 does have it so Again, a nice service for your patient to make sure that they have a translucent shade on the anterior teeth, especially nowadays where we're just seeing all these clinchecks come back. Seems like very in vogue now to have anterior attachments on all the front teeth. Now, most people don't screw up putting on an attachment, but two quick hints about putting on your attachment will make sure that you're super solid. Number one, when you put on an attachment, we like to have the patient bite into the template while you're curing it what that does you know you can bite into it you can just kind of use your fingers to push down on it but the templates are very 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 flexible and if you put it on it can put it on it can bounce up in one area put on another spot it can bounce up and when you put it on you want to make sure that you put the attachment in the proper inciso gingival position on the tooth and if the invisalign template bounces up slightly while you're trying to cure it you're going to put that attachment Two incisal. Now, who can tell me what happens if you put the attachment two incisal? That is correct. If you put the attachment two incisal, the Invisalign goes over, grabs onto that attachment, and it will hold. But you look at the rest of the teeth in the arch, and you already see a little bit of space between the top of the tooth and the Invisalign. You're like, why is this happening? I'm holding on tray one. How am I losing tracking at tray one? If you've ever lost tracking on tray one or seen space between the top of the tooth and the Invisalign, you can be sure the reason why you have space between the top of the tooth and the Invisalign, what we term in Invisalign bad tracking, is that you put your attachment too incisal because you didn't push it down all the way. And again, this segues back to what I said before, that we don't want to cut the template in half That video decision because you're losing the cross arch stabilization so we put that actually put the g bond in we put the evil flow into the template hit at the light flip it over have the patient bite into it with their other natural teeth from the other arch or have an assistant push down on the template while you're curing it to make sure you get the proper incisor gingival height the other thing that we want to make sure that we do is i take the curing light and i press it directly up against the tooth attachment because we want to push real hard because it is very easy to make an attachment that is two buckle wide than it's supposed to be. You're supposed to make an attachment that's three millimeters wide, and you can very easily make one that is three and a half, four millimeters wide. So Let's think about what would happen if we were supposed to make an attachment, let's call it a horizontal bevel attachment, and it was supposed to be three millimeters wide, but we went ahead and we made one that was four millimeters wide. Or three and a half millimeter. Now, your eye can't see the difference between a three and a half millimeter attack and a three. But let's think through what happens. Now, you take it off and take off the flash. Now, you put the Invisalign tray number one on. And when you do that, the attachment fills into the depression in the Invisalign. But because it's slightly bigger than it's supposed to be, it is more. Buckle than it is supposed to be. It will engage in the depression in the invisible the the attachment hole, but then it holds the plastic of that tooth and probably the teeth next to it away from the teeth. And if the plastic on the buckle surface of the rest of the tooth is not engaging on the actual buckle surface of the tooth, well then you have a problem. This is again the silent killer of Invisalign. You don't even know why the teeth aren't moving. Everything seems to be okay. The reason why the teeth are not moving is because you don't have enough surface area engagement between the plastic and the buckle surfaces of the teeth. And if you don't have that, well, well, the teeth are just not going to move. How did it happen? Well, we put on an attachment that was a little bit too wide. Why is it too wide? Because especially if you use heart composite, it's very easy to overfill That template, if you overfill that template and the excess does not pour out, well, then you have a problem. So, use the flowable, fill it to the brim. Then we flip it over, and then we hit it with the light, and we push the light directly up against the attachment, against the tooth, so that if there is any excess, it will flow out of it, and then, of course, we will remove that. All right. Now, last thing before we get into the attachments in terms of the type and numbers and names, a lot of people like to show patients the technology that's involved with line, and that's via what we call the ClinCheck you know, computer programming system. And if you have the ClinCheck computer programming system, um, you know, you wanna show that to the patient. Now, this is a prospective patient who comes in and, just to kind of get educated about Invisalign in general. So I'll show them what a ClinCheck looks like. Obviously, I don't have their ClinCheck ready. They haven't committed to the case. But I could show them another patient's ClinCheck. Now, if you show a patient a ClinCheck like this, and they look at that, they like, well, I can't visualize myself wearing something. that you know, looks like that. It looks like the teeth have chickenpox on them, all those big red dots. And for some reason, in the Invisalign software, the default for attachment color is this red color. But, there is a way to go on your ClinCheck into the file area on the top left-hand part of the screen where they have the settings, and you can change the settings on the computer uh, that you're using to change the attachments from red to white. So on your presentation computer or the computer that you do consoles on with, you would want to change the attachment color from red to white. You show the picture on the right-hand side here, and people can say, yeah, I can visualize myself visualize myself with these attachments on and they will be a little bit hardcore sometimes for patients to see their teeth with these big, chunky red attachments on them. So just a little trick of the trade. This is a per-computer setting. So you set it on your consult office and all the ClinCheck that come up on that computer will come up with white attachments. Go to your back office and change it over and open the same ClinCheck over there. It will come up as red. So this is a per-computer setting each time you change it on the computer, all the clean checks viewed on that computer will come up in the white color. So just a little trick of the trade that we like to do. All right, this is the official 2015 attachment list that exists today. This is the only list that I know of, of in existence that describes in detail what each attachment does. There are 10 attachments that we use typically in Invisalign, and each year, we kind of create one more. So we've got the horizontal bevel. We've got the long horizontal, the long vertical. Those three are actually the standard attachments. And who can tell me the difference between standard attachment and optimized attachments? Yes, yeah, exactly. Standard attachments, the same size size that's in the template, the same shape that's in the template is the same shape that's in the Invisalign trade. Then the next seven, from the teardrop all the way to the G6 attachments, those are used for optimized movement. And when you get an optimized attachment breaks off during treatment, it is improper to use the previous line or put it back. You got to call for a template or go online and it's free. Why wouldn't you do that? All right, so here we go. Buckle up. Let's do the 10 attachments that we have. The first most common type of attachment is something called the horizontal bevel attachment. Looks like a small thin rectangle, horizontally positioned, most commonly on the premolars. I like to use this pretty standard on every case that I have. I feel like it adds a lot of power to the Invisalign, and I usually put it on all eight premolars. When those premolars don't have to do something else, If they have to do something else like rotate or translate or have a root torque in them. I'll use one of the other optimized attachments, but if they're not going anywhere, they're just expanding out. I like the idea of a horizontal bevel attachment on the premolars. That kind of gives us a nice grip. And that is something that is standard on all my cases and also called the standard attachment. And we use those for retention, not retention like after the case, the case is over. Retention during the case, where you can make the invisible kind of snap in and hold real tight. And if you wanted to share that, this would be on the clinical preferences area, there's a clinical preferences area on your IDS site, and it says attachments. And if you click on that attachment, you get a screen that looks like this, and you can place horizontal beveled attachments as your clinical preference on your premolars. And the key is that we want the incisal to face the bevel. So it's bevel to the incisal on these horizontal bevel premolars. That is attachment number one. Attachment number two is long horizontal rectangles. These long horizontal rectangles, usually about four millimeters, are used to translate molars to the mesial. I'm not a very big molar movement person, I don't often do molar mesializations and molar distalizations as a treatment preference, but every now and then you kind of come across a case where you have to kind of move some molars around. For example, in this case, I have like a weird, little bit of a weird space between 29 and 30, and I don't want to retract the arch because we're already dealing with a large overjet here, and I don't want to double down on my overjet. So in this case, I want to kind of bring those premolars up, and I want to bring that to the mesial position. And if I want to do that, I want to make sure that I have those long horizontal attachments on. And you might say, well, why do you need a horizontal attachment on want Why not just go no attachment? Well, the key is when you move that molar to the mesial, what you want to be careful of and what can happen very easily if you're not paying attention, is instead of that molar with its crown and roots moving to the mesial, if you're just grabbing onto the buccal and lingual of the tooth with the plastic and you push on it, it can very easily tip forward where the root stays where it is and the crown sort of tips forward all the way to that premolar. And you get kind of a tip position and that's kind of not a great thing. Get a little bit of food trap, not cosmetic, kind of screw up the occlusion a little bit. So, if you want to translate molars to the mesial, in my practice, I find the most successful way to do it is with a long horizontal attachment. As opposed to that, sometimes we got to move molars backwards. Again, I'm not a big, molar distalization guide, but if I ever had to move molars to the distal, I would want to make sure that I have a long vertical attachment on it. A long vertical attachment on it is the third type of standard attachment, and that is used to move molars to the distal. Again, why would we need an attachment at all? Well, you want to make sure when you move that molar that you're moving the crown and the root together to the distal. You don't want that crown to just tip the distal and leave the root where it is that's kind of like a a bad situation so i find it very helpful to have long vertical attachments on the distal now why do we have horizontal attachments for the mesial and vertical attachments for the distal that is a part of a longer discussion that i'd be happy to have with anybody uh, after today's call but that is what we find in a biomechanical force area so to review the three standard attachments: number one is the horizontal bevel attachment that goes on the premolars with the bevel towards the incisal. Number two is a long horizontal attachment, most commonly used for mesial movement of molars. And we have a long vertical attachment, which is used a for distal movement of molars, and as well sometimes anterior root. Sometimes you have a root on the anterior usually one of the four lower incisors, and we need to move that root. we got to torque that root. If we need to torque an anterior root, most commonly probably after an extraction of an anterior tooth, sometimes in line we'll extract an anterior incisor, and then we'll close the space. And we want to close that space. We want to make sure that those roots are as parallel to each other as possible. And the trick that we'll use to keep those roots pal- parallel is by placing these long vertical attachments on there. So you can see in this case, I had a lot of root movement of tooth number 25. And in order to help me achieve that, I put a long vertical attachment on tooth number 25 to kind of help me get that root swing from where it was, which was overlapped over 26, right to that middle spot. And again, that's a standard attachment. So those are the three types of standard attachments that we have. All right, now let's jump the game a little bit. This is what we call... The section of optimized attachments. There are seven optimized attachments. The first optimized attachment came off of the, the scene many years ago, and I affectionately call it the raindrop attachment because it looks like a little bit of a raindrop. Some people say teardrop. I guess that that's if you're a glass half full or half empty, do you see tears or rain? But either way, that is my favorite term for this tooth. Not sure if that's the clinical term. It might understand it in Costa Rica, it might not. In Costa Rica, we probably refer to it as an optimized rotation attachment. But I call it, when I'm talking to my classes, I re engage teams, I'm usually referring to it as a raindrop or a drop. Now, this brilliant little device is specifically designed to help us rotate canines and rotate premolars. It has a special shape that is custom made based on the canine or premolar anatomy because we know that not every single canine, not every single premolar has the same anatomy to it. So what the computer system is able to do is to read your anatomy and then correctly put an attachment in the most appropriate spot on that tooth surface to kind of help you rotate a tooth. So here's a little video that demonstrates this. The optimized look, here we go. The optimized attachments look like a little teardrop that goes on the buckle surface, and it could be a canine or a premolar. Now what happens is the line engages the tooth, and then there's a force vector that pushes on different spots. You can see the canine primal have different spots where the indizaline is pushing, and then a concurrent, different push on the lingual. And when you get those two different pushes on the buckle and the lingual, the result is a rotation. Now, always cracks me up when I see people who still do for a rotation an attachment on the buckle and an attachment on the lingual that and they explain explaining to me a force vector system, I'm like, dude, that was what we did in 2009, before they invented. The optimized attachment, by definition, has a force vector system on the buckle and a force vector system on the label. You just can't see it in the plastic, but there's a part of the plastic that's bent in that is creating the same force vector system, but it's done by a computer instead of you, and it's done to perfect proportions and strength. So Again, very, very important. So that is number four, the optimized attachment for rotation of premolars and canines. Critical, critical. Before that, we used to not struggle, but it used to be hard to rotate a canine. Now I could turn a canine 45 degrees, 90 degrees without even thinking about it. Now, the fifth one is what I call the double spike. I'm not sure that that's the clinical term, but that's how I refer to it. The double spike attachment can appear on canines and central incisors and premolars. So centrals, canines, or premolars sometimes see these little double spikes, and they're used to translate roots. So if you can see that canine on the screen here, if I want to take that canine, I want it to translate it to the distal, my worry would be that I would move the crown without moving the root. So what the force system does here is that it pushes on both spots. So there's a force that pushes, let's say, X plus one over here. But at the same time, brilliantly, the invisible line is actually pushing on this surface as well, as well. But this one's pushing X plus 1, but this one's only pushing X. And the overall effect of pushing at 50% power on this and only 25% power on this is that this one wins out and the two starts moving to the distal. But not moving so fast that it tips because there's certain force here that's keeping that root upright. So translation of central canines and molars are real important. And you get a force vector system that's pushing on the teeth. So the overall effect is that the tooth kind of teeter-tops back, forth, back, forth, back, forth until it gets to the right position, but then you have the crown and the root in the right position. Where this comes up really, really importantly is when you're closing a diastema between two central incisors. So, you're closing the diaphragm choose two centrales. The last thing that you want to do is tip those crowns together. Because if you tip those crowns together, 30 seconds after your patient stops wearing Invisalign, that space is going to show up. That space is just going to pop right open. If you ever had a case and you finish the diaphragm and you're like 30 30 minutes after they took out their Invisalign tray, boom, that space opens up. You're like, oh my God, they've been wearing them for 10 months. Why did it just open up? It's because you tip. One of the reasons could be because you tip the crowns together and the roots have stayed where they are. So when we have a situation like this, we want to make sure that we move not just the crowns together, but the roots together. You see, we have kind of tip those teeth. And the way that we can make sure that we do that is with the double spike attachment for translation of the roots. So translation of the roots is real important. And again, you might have a patient and you're thinking to yourself, oh man, the patient's gonna be so upset for have these anterior attachments on these two centrals." But if you understand what these central attaches do, with the attachment, you'll realize it is critical to the case, so you might want to double think before you take it out. It's also important, instead of not just translation, but also important in terms of root torque. So in this video, you can clearly see that we have a canine where the root is torqued to the mesial. And I want to kind of affect that movement and torque that canine to the distal. So you have these two attachments that have two active surfaces on it, and the force vector system creates a moment that then moves the root into the right spot. Without the attachment, you're pretty much not going to get that movement done. It's also affected in translation of tooth. So the same double spike does two things. It does root torque and root movement. And again, that's an example of those two central incisors closing together. So number five and six are both what we call the double spike attachments, and they are used for, number one, translation movements, as well as root movement. On your staging treatment system, it would look like these two dots. So you'd get your treatment form back, and this would say, oh, that's a horizontal level, that's a horizontal level. But these two, when you see those two dots, that's an optimized double spike. And in this case, I got optimized double spike on my 8.9 and 22.27. Again, I don't think that that's the correct clinical term, double spike. I don't know if they'll understand that in Costa Rica. You might just want to call it the root torque optimized attachment or the translation attachment. But when you see that in your check, you know what it is. Number seven, the favorite one of dentists across the country back in the day the upper laterals used to make us crazy everybody was losing tracking on these upper lateral cases now they invented what we call the multi-plane attachment it's a brilliant little attachment that goes on to these laterals and it helps the lateral both extrude and rotate at the same time which used to be a major struggle and not just that it has a special lingual pressure point that you don't even know about that is actually helping the tooth push. So we used to lose tracking on uh, laterals. I mean, 75% of the time, we used to lose tracking on laterals, no matter what. Nowadays, we got that number down to about 10, 15% of the time. And the difference is this multi-plane attachment. Let's take a quick little video and look at the effect of this multi-plane attachment. So here we have a tooth that needs rotation and extrusion. So we get this multi-plane attachment that's put on defaulted by the system onto the buccal surface, and what it's going to help me do is both rotate and extrude this tooth in two different directions at the same time, kind of call it the corkscrew movement. It's going down and in at the same time, down and in at the same time. Now, at the same time, you don't even know, there's an extra little dimple on the lingual of this tooth that's helping that movement. So those two forces are working together brilliantly in a force vector system to accomplish that rotation. So, again, if you had a patient that lost that attachment during treatment, you can't continue treatment without that attachment on. You'd only be pushing on one vector from the lingual. You definitely need to put that attachment back on during treatment, no matter how inconvenient it might be. So, number seven is the multi-plane attachment, and that is used for what we call the corkscrew movement. I'm still losing tracking on my laterals, but it's down to about 10 15% of my cases, whereas beforehand I was losing it at about 75% of my cases. So that multi-plane attachment, that was really, really good when that came along. And that, You don't have to worry about most of these optimized attachments. These optimized attachments come automatically. I don't even think you can request an opt- I, I No, in fact, you cannot request from your ClinCheck to put on a multi-plane attachment they, uh, or any of these optimized attachments. They come automatically default. So even if you don't know what you don't know, you're pretty much safe with the lines. Line system, but I think it's valuable to know what each one does. Number eight, okay, so I lied. I thought the multi-plane attachment was my favorite. Turns out the extrusion attachments were my favorite. So there are a lot of orthodontists in the country who will tell people you cannot extrude teeth with Invisalign. You cannot, you know, do open bites. And there is nothing further from the truth. I've extruded tremendous amounts of teeth with the ease of Invisalign without the use of elastics. I've closed five, seven, eight, nine millimeter open bites. And the key to using it is understanding how to do it. But One of the keys is really these extrusion attachments. So, the extrusion attachment kind of looks like a skateboard ramp, a flat skateboard ramp, and it can go on centrals and laterals and canines. And what it does is give a moment of force directly down on that skateboard ramp that drives that tooth down and extrudes it. And this is really, really critical. Now, what we realized in Visualize when they built these things is that beforehand, if you try to extrude a tooth, let's say you just put a standard horizontal attachment. like lever. Number one, it was very hard because you need to be pushing against a flat surface, like a bevel. You can't push against a corner because it's very, very hard to get the next tray on because the next tray is lower than where you are currently. So it's kind of like a little, you know, we need to have to stretch the line to get over the dot and then bring it down. But with these guys, it's a beveled ramp. So you're pushing against a beveled ramp. It's much, much easier. So you could take teeth that are up like that, four or five millimeters and boom, You drive them down. Now, the other brilliant thing about this thing, and I'll just play the video so you can see it, is that they realize that there's a different amount of force that's needed to push down on laterals as opposed to canines and centrals. So the Invisalign attachment smart forces for extrusion, and this is part of the G4 program, is optimized to push on each tooth a different force amount. So you have four incisors here. Watch how we're going to push a different amount. So we're going to push X amount on the laterals and X amount on the central incisors. So we get a different kind of activation Let's call that four, but this one has six or seven activations, different strengths so that the tray is pushing consistently on all four teeth at the same time. Because if you try to bring lateral pressure onto a central incisor, you would not go any movement. You know, you need much more pressure on a central incisor, that big, fat conical roots to pull down on it. So this is a bevel attachment called the optimized extrusion attachment. Looks like a real big skateboard ramp and that could only go on central, laterals, and canines. Okay, not to be confused with the horizontal bevel attachments that we put on the premolars, which are more boxy looking. And those are just standard attachments. These ones are optimized attachments special, special shape that matches the anatomy of our tooth so that we can get that good push down on it. So that is attachment number eight. Attachment number nine is called the G5 attachment. This was invented almost a year ago, a little bit more than a year ago. It looks kind of like a sun-kissed half semicircle with a little bit of a skateboard wrap. Now, here's the game here. Previous to this attachment, we used to have a real big problem intruding teeth. Everybody used to think intruding with eating. It turns out intruding teeth very, very hard to do with Invisalign. Why? Well, number one, you have to push down on those teeth so hard that you get osteoclastic action in the apex of the tooth that breaks down the bone so much that the tooth sinks in. That's hard to do. That's a lot of force, especially with the removal of appliance that people are taking out for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Now, problem number one. Problem number two is if you have an Invisalign where you're trying to push down on the front teeth, and you put it on the teeth. Guess what happens to the plastic? It's tried to, e- it tries to even itself out. So if you push down on the front, what happens to the back part of these it just kind of flops up. So you had all these cases, of people putting on trays in the country, Your patient put it on and be like, "Hey, I feel a little bounce here in the back. And doctors would be like, eh, somebody I'll you know, just bite into it." But if you ever put on a case and you felt that little flop in the back, a little bounce on the posterior teeth, that is the negation of the anterior intrusion forces that you're comp- trying to accomplish. Basically, the Invisalign, instead of pushing down on the anterior teeth, is just kind of evening itself out. That was born the G5 attachment to solve that. As the Invisalign pushes down on the anterior force teeth, there is an equal and opposite force, Newton's law, going and knocking up on the premolar. And we usually generally put these on premolars. I've seen them on canines recently, but They're most of the time on the first premolar. So at the same time that the Invisalign is pushing down on the anterior, it's actually giving you an equal and opposite kind of extrusion force to balance out the tray on the premolars. And this has really been amazing. It also comes with a cingulum pressure point. Again, we realized with Invisalign that just pushing on the incisal edge of the tooth might not give us the correct vector and moment of force that we want to intrude the tooth. So Invisalign realized that really a pressure spot on the lingual is better suited. So let's take a look at this. So here's a case where we're trying to intrude the teeth over here. So the Smart Force G5 attachments are here on the premolar. So watch what happens. We want to level the curvature. speed. So we're pushing down on the anterior with the green arrow, but the blue arrow is pushing equal and opposite. So you've got to have that special attachment. The green pushes down, but the premolar attachment helps balance that force there. So if you don't have that special blue force, that helps you even it out. You could also extrude the cream by all means if you wanted to, to kind of meet halfway in the middle. The other difference is that on a tooth, we used to think it was smart to push down on the whole tooth and just kind of squeeze it. But that can result in a moment that creates a resultant force that's not exactly where we wanted that tooth to go. So with the G5 attachment, we actually have this little pressure area on the cingulum of the tooth, and when we push on that, whoa, that drives the tooth straight down the apex, and you get a perfect intrusion of the tooth. So back in 2011, 2013, I was very gun-shy on deep bite. Now I'm much, much more bullish about doing it. All right. Now, let's move to number 10, the final one. The G6 attachment was just created last month, and it is for use with premolar extraction. So if you have a case where you're extracting the first bicuspids, we talked about a couple of things that we're worried about already. Who could tell me what the first thing you'd be worried about with a premolar extraction? Correct. You'd be worried about the canine tipping backwards instead of distalizing. So the G6 attachment has a special double spike again on it that helps keep that canine and root going backwards. The other key when you're extracted a first bicuspid is what you want to do is you want to retract the canine, the lateral, and the central incisors. What you don't want to happen is you don't want the premolar and the molars to come forward. Again, the plastic doesn't know the difference. The plastic just knows the teeth are getting closer. But the same plastic that could be pulling the anterior teeth forward, let's say those anterior teeth stay where they want, and what happens if the posterior teeth come forward? Oh, that's a result we don't want. We don't want the posterior teeth coming out of their set occlusion and coming forward. We want those anterior teeth to go backwards. So what they built is these kind of little half moon. Let's call that a half moon. Again, these are not clinical terms. They're just my own monikers for these things. I call these guys the half moons three half moons directly put on a specific spot on the tooth. And what that will do is the Invisalign is actually pressing against that spot so that the Invisalign is preventing those molars and premolars from coming forward and instead allowing the canine to distalize really important. And this is the staging that will happen. Okay. Now, at the same time, we also make sure that the canine distalizes and the central incisors go back without those molars and premolars coming forward. The other thing is, does is make sure that those central incisors don't get tipped backwards; that they stay in their proclined, nice area. Because it's very easy to kind of, when you're kind of distalizing those canines and centrals and pre, uh, and uh, centrals and, and laterals, to get them to kind of tip backwards or retrocline. We don't want that to happen. That would look very uncosmetic. So the G6 attachments, again, this stuff is automatic and would happen if you've presented with a case with premolar extraction. I don't believe you need to ask for it at all. Your technician would already have put these in. But if you're into extracting first bicuspids and closing the space with Invisalign, the G6 attachment will keep you nice and safe. Okay, this is what it would look like clinically. You got those kind of half moon attachments on the premolars and molars, and that's gonna prevent those guys from coming forward so we can maintain our nice class one occlusion on the molars in that. So that sums up those 10 types of attachments, okay? And I thank you for joining us today. Uh, Again, I referenced the American Academy of Cosmetic Orthodontics before, the website for that would be www.aacortho.com, group of general dentists for the most part in North America and internationally at this point couple of, there's a European chapter and a Middle East chapter, and then the Asian chapter. And this is a nice opportunity to draw in a growing group of dentists in the country who are using Invisalign as a cosmetic option to straighten and align their patient's teeth to make them happier and healthier with a better occlusion. And they have a journal and a nice couple of things in it. And it would be our pleasure to welcome you with open arms into the Academy. David, that's all I have for today on attachments. Nice timing on that. If you want to obtain your CE certificate for this program, you're going to go to http://learn.azcentral.com/survey uh, to get your um, CE credit for today's course. Well, thank you, Dr. Galler. Great
1: presentation. I want to cover one quick thing that's very important in order to receive your CE certificate, as Dr. Galler had mentioned, for this program. Currently on the screen on, right now, there is a link take a quick survey. Once you complete your survey, you'll have immediate access to your CE certificate, so please go there after the completion of the program. If you experience any problems with viewing any of the presentation, the archive program will be available on the Education tab of your Invisalign doctor site. I want to thank Dr. Galler again for a great presentation and for all of you for taking time out of your Friday to join us. We look forward to seeing you on another Ask the Expert webinar. Thanks very much.